Live in Glendale, Arizona, Camelback Ranch, post-game. It's the White Sox beat writer for MLB.com, Mr. Scott Merkin, joining us on the Future Sox podcast. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, we're enjoying a pretty competitive day of baseball. Ended in a tie between the Reds and the White Sox. And we saw Yerman Mercedes in the ninth inning with two outs, tie the game up with another long fly ball. It was fourth of the spring. So this Yerman craze, it's the real deal. What do you think about Yerman Mercedes and his position within the system right now? I mean, you were sitting here. It seems like he resonates with the fan base, too. I mean, whatever, you know, there's like 5,000 fans here today. But, I mean, the crowd really went crazy on contact there. And I think he's that kind of figure. I think people may also be overanalyzing the 26 man a little bit in that, you know, it depends what they need. I think a lot of teams will go with third catchers. Maybe some teams that are more advanced in the competitive stage might go with a guy who's just a speed guy. Other teams might go with just a defensive guy. But, you know, the Sox have that in Adam Engel, who's also hit the ball well this spring. So I think Mercedes makes sense because of the fact they still consider, I shouldn't say still, they definitely consider Zach Collins a prospect and a guy who's part of their future. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense, even though you want him on the major league team. You know, he can learn from McCann and Grandal and Coop and Kurt Hassler up here. But does it make sense to have him up here if he's going to have like, you know, if, if things go well and no one gets hurt, have like six at-bats in a month? Maybe a little more. Maybe, you know, they use that 26 guy to get a spot start here and there and, you know, pinch hit every now and then. But this is not going to be a featured guy in the lineup if everyone is healthy. So not, not taking anything away from your man Mercedes, but he's not really considered a prospect prospect at this point. So I think he fits that spot real well. You know, I think I think a guy like Chesler Cuthbert fits that spot, spot well, too, and that he's played pretty well this spring. So, you know, Cuthbert gives you first and third base. Uh, Mercedes is more DH and catcher. But he certainly can hit the ball and has done that since joining the White Sox. So you mentioned Zach Collins in that in that conversation. And I wanted to focus a little bit on Zach and where he stands with the White Sox. You know, he made his debut and he got some sporadic playing appearances initially right. and then came up late in the season and started getting more plate appearances. Where would you say that the White Sox value Collins at this point in his development and also is he ready to be on the opening day roster from what you've seen this spring? I think if the situation didn't have... Grandal and McCann ahead of him, I think Zach Collins would be on the opening day roster, absolutely, 100%. But, I mean, you know, you have Grandal, who's considered one of the best overall catchers in the game. You have McCann, who did a great job last year with the pitchers and hit had a great first half hitting and is a very solid, you know, if not backup, a guy who's, who's a starter, too. And I think if something were to happen where McCann were to be moved, which would only happen if it's moved where he's going to start somewhere else, I think, then I think Collins would be the guy. I think, you know, Zach came up and struggled mightily his first time around, like a lot of guys do. And I think he learned some things there that he needed. You know, it's probably it's probably tough for these guys who have really had success their whole career to come up and struggle the first time and kind of figure out, okay, it's not going to be this simple or it's not going to just work perfectly. So he figured out some things, worked on him in Charlotte, came back and had a very nice month of September. And now you see him developing more as a catcher. You know, he's known Yasmani Grandal since he was 14 or 15 through the Miami Hurricane connection. He's done a very nice job in terms of changing his focus behind the plate, changing his setup behind the plate. And, you know, he can hit. He's a, he's a guy who gets on base. You know, he may hit 240 but have a 350 on base percentage. And he's got a lot of power, as we've seen, too. Yesterday he took a um, left-handed prospect from the Royals whose name escapes me, but he hit he hit an opposite field home run. Is that Bubik? Yeah, there you go. And, and that's... Um, you know, good for good to see. I mean, that's something that he said the Sox need to see. So I, I think he's ready, but I think, you know, it, I guess there's questions on what does he have to prove in Charlotte, but is it really proof or just continuing to develop? You know, I mean, you know, it doesn't prove anything. He's ready, but 
unfortunately for him, you know, you have two quality guys blocking you on a team that is taking that jump from rebuild to what they hope is contention this year. So I, he's going to help them at some point this year, barring something completely unexpected. It just probably won't be at the season outset. So we talked about two guys who are maybe on the bridge of working their way to the big league roster at this point of their careers, at least with the White Sox. <coughs> I want to change conversation points now to Luis Robert. So we expect right. him to be there, and the White Sox went out and signed him to be there in center field by opening day. What did you see out of, uh, of Robert throughout your time here in the Phoenix area? Yeah, if Robert's not there on opening day, there's going to be an issue. There's Something's missing because he, he is there starting center field. And I think eventually will be their leadoff hitter. You know, I, I mean, it's just... He's one of those guys that you look at and you don't see this too too often, and it's just got you know star superstar written all over him. You know he's a five tool player. I mean he's probably the fastest guy on the team. He goes from first to third, almost kind of gliding from first to third. He's got thirty home run, thirty stolen base potential. He's got a good arm. He makes good reads in center field. You know they're going to challenge him just like they challenged Jimenez last year and attacked him with off speed pitches outside the zone. As Rick Hahn, you know the White Sox general manager said. They approached Jimenez at the start of the season, almost like a 10-year veteran. And I'm sure Robert's going to see the same thing. But, you know, he is not disappointed. He looks every bit the star in the making that that they've said he was and thought he would be. And the thing is, he's got a real good demeanor, as Moncada had, even during, you know, the 217 strikeout season of 18. And I think he'll understand the struggles. And he's also got people to help him. He's got Jose Abreu. He's got Aloy. He's got Yoan Moncada. You know, he's got uh, Encarnacion. He's got Grandal. So... It's not like he's up there on a team that's bereft of veterans and he's kind of on a, on, a, you know, on a plateau by himself. He's going to have help. But there's going to be slumps. The guy's not going to hit 390 during the year. Well, most likely. But, right. I mean, there's going to be slumps, but I think he's ready to handle it. So this is going to be a fun, fun player to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different kind of feeling when you see Robert in the box. Right. He's much wa- must watch TV. And, you know, to the point of, yeah, he's going to struggle at times. Yesterday, when I saw him, I think he saw eight total pitches. He grounded out, or he reached first on an infield single to third, struck out on three consecutive fastballs in his second at-bat, and then struck out again in his third at-bat, and he saw right. three or four pitches in that I mean, one you know, well. One thing I think to look at, too, and I, I think I focus too much on this, like when I talk about Mancada's 217 strikeouts in 18. It's okay to strike out. Mike Trout strikes out. You know, Chris Bryant struck out quite a bit the year he won the National League MVP in 2016. I think it's just the approach, you know, whereas Moncada's issue with 217 strikeouts was he was kind of letting the counts getting too deep and letting maybe other people decide how the outcome was, and he changed that last year, and the aggressiveness paid off. I don't think Robert is going to have a problem. I think Robert is, you know, an aggressive hitter, so he's not going to be taking as much, but he's going to strike out. That's just part of the game. That's part of his, you know, his profile. So I think, like you said, it's it's a different sort of guy. You just get a different feel, and that's taking away nothing from... Jimenez, who's great, and Moncada, who was their best all-around player last year. But even Robert is another different level, I think, from those guys watching him. Yeah, I mean, he's fresh to the big league scene, so the guys right. are still the pitchers. Opposing pitchers are going to try and figure out how to get him out, so it's all a process. But, sure. yeah, you can tell he's, he's going to be legit. All right, had to get Robert in there because I'm really excited about him. I'm also really excited about Andrew Vaughn. We, take, we saw him take a really nice swing, flow to the track. Yes. Yeah, tell me about Vaughn. I mean, he's not only been outstanding offensively, but he's looked really smooth over at first base. He made a nice pick on a... Chesler Cuthbert at the uh, throw at the end of the game today and just looks every bit the polished hitter that you know Nick Hosteller who deserves a lot of credit I mean Nick Hosteller Hadler Nick Hosteller say that 10 times yeah, fast, has led the draft that produced Vaughn it's you know a guy who produced Cody Hoyer in the draft so you're seeing some of the fruits of that draft labor right now but Vaughn is another guy who at least offensively I think is going to be a standout you know again you don't want to put too much 
No one ever, as I've said a thousand times, no one ever got to the Hall of Fame because they had great Cactus League or Grapefruit League numbers. But you just like the approach Vaughn has. You just like the way he attacks each at bat. And like I said, he's been even more impressive defensively. And I know he does the same thing that Jose Abreu does, and I think it's a recommendation from Joe McEwing and that he'll take some grounders over third base. And he even told me he thought he could play a little third base if necessary just to keep his hands soft. So I, I don't think 2020 probably is in the cards. Maybe it will be. Maybe they'll be you know, right there, if not leading the essential right there and, and get a little boost from him in September or something. But, you know, you have Abreu at first right now. You have Encarnacion as the DH. Encarnacion's got an option next year. So, you know, it may be at some point in 21 that we really see Andrew Vaughn. But very impressive player so far. You know, we asked, uh, I did a survey, I think like about seven or eight players for the most impressive guy for the Sox about halfway through camp, and it was Luis Robert. And I thought Vaughn could have had more support too. Uh, Cody Hoyer got mentioned in there, but... Vaughn has just been has been everything people thought in his first spring training, and another very level-headed kid. Yeah, I think that's important to note too that you know you don't have to rush this player to get up to the bigs. I think what you said makes sense, allowing him to get his feet wet and figure it out in his first full professional season in the Sox system. And if everything's going well with the big league club, it's right. not out of the question 2020, but. Realistically, 2021 for Vaughn sounds like it makes the most sense. Well, I'm sure it's not just germane to the Sox, but the Sox have done a great job in this rebuild of making sure when these guys are up, they're as prepared as possible to stay up. There's been no rush because of underperformance, and let's face it, there's been some underperformance from some of the guys they've had. There's been no rush when someone's gotten hurt. It's just when Kopech was ready, he came up. When Mokata was ready, he came up. When Jimenez was ready, he came up. And they've done a good job of letting these guys develop, and it won't change with Vaughn or Madrigal or Kopech, you know, finishing up his rehab, or Dane Dunning doing the same thing, anything along the way. You know, they're ready, and they're the closest they can be to the Sox feeling like they're going to stay at the major league level. That's when they'll be at the major league level. I'd like to focus on a collection of guys real quick, the outfield situation that we assume is going to be the Birmingham scene with Luis Gonzalez and Blake Rutherford. Rutherford's had some nice swings out yeah. here as well. And Louis Alexander Basabe, we see him out in center field today as well as yesterday. What kind of vibe are you getting from the outfield scene, specifically Rutherford, I guess I want to ask you about, uh, because it looks like physically he's gotten a little bit more filled in. Right. It's funny, I was, I was out the first night we were here at a local restaurant, and I saw him with some friends, went over and talked to him real briefly, and you could tell right away yeah. he looked you know, different. And he put on about, I think, like 12 pounds of muscle in the offseason. He's got a good plan to kind of you know, keep this on during the season, because I think that's an issue for him. And, you know, even Rick Hahn said that, you know, he probably realized that he needs to hit for a little more power, but not changing his approach in the process. So he's a guy, you know, and he's a very young guy. You know, people forget how young these guys are overall, and I think people want instant results all the time in this day and age. But he may be a guy who takes a year or two or three to get ready. You know, obviously, Mike Rodolfo looks like a Bears lineman when you see him now, especially I saw him when he first signed with his team and was – an instructional league, and he was like a pipe cleaner at that point. He was so skinny. But now he looks like he can play defensive end for the Bears. You know, he struggled a little bit this camp, and one of the things that the Sox are looking for is he made progress handling the strike zone before he got hurt. Then he was out for a while. You know, he's had a, a problem with the injury bug overall. Now how's he going to respond this year when he gets there? You know, and then Luis Gonzalez had a good camp, and Basabi is, you know, is back healthy again after the Hammett bone injury thing last year. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. This, you know, people forget. I think there's so, everyone's focused on free agency and one name in particular, you know, who, right. Mookie Betts, who, who should be out there after this year. But there could be some answers within the system here coming up, and it, maybe it isn't 2021. It might be 22. But there's some 
good you know depth in the system if these guys perform as they should maybe one or two more for you scott really appreciate the time specifically michael kopech now is going to throw for the first time this spring scheduled tomorrow at the time of this recording what is the Sox plan now as Michael Kopech works back from obviously major surgery? You want to get him into game shape. I don't think opening right. day with a big league club no. is realistic. Yeah, so tell me where he's at. Well, opening day, remember, also April is until they get to like Anaheim at the end of the month. It's going to be a cold month, you know, we, we suspect. So, you know, you don't want to put that kid through through that in, in April. I put my gosh, I should call him that kid. Michael Kopech <laughs> through that in April. They're all kids. Really. Yeah, exactly. I would guess he probably stays in Arizona for a little bit when the team breaks, maybe a couple of weeks, and then goes to Charlotte for a little bit, and then moves, you know, to the White Sox. I would, I could think by, you know, maybe the beginning of May if all goes well. I mean, he looks great. He's looked great in BPs. Looked great in, you know, side sessions. You know, people. Someone asked me in my White Sox inbox today about what his velocity was, and you know, we've seen, we've heard different things, but you'll see more tomorrow when he pitches in a game if the game gets gets through. But even more than that, I think you want to appreciate the fact that you know velocity is going to be there with him but that he's now in during this time off since what september of 2018 he's become more of a pitcher than a thrower and i think you're going to see a different composure and just a different style from on the mound but it's it's once again just like it made the huge impact when he came up in 18 it's going to be the same thing in 20 only maybe for a team that you know is pushing for a playoff spot although by the time he gets there you won't know that but i mean a team that could push for a playoff spot this year Last one for you, Scott. Uh, and I want to mention, of course, today we saw Dylan Cease and yes. went three-plus innings. Command a little bit of an issue, but overall his spring's been fantastic. Don't really have to go too much into detail there. But for you, in your opinion, outside of the top four and Magical Vaughn, Cease, and Kopech, who's your next favorite prospect that you're keeping an eye on? Wow, that's it. I mean, who are the top four you said again? Magical, Kopech, Cease, and Vaughn, outside of those four. Wow, that's There's a good, Dane Dunning. Yeah, I, well, I, I'd say Jonathan a guy we mentioned Steve. already. Uh, well, three guys. Cody Hoyer, he's looked phenomenal in camp and really has good stuff. Zach Birdie. I think Zach Birdie is going to be working some impact leverage innings for this team this year because he's healthy, he's back, and he looks good out there. And then the guy you mentioned, Dane Dunning, who I think you know would have been a strong contender in 19 out of camp if he was healthy for that fifth starter spot. And I, I think he's a guy who can maybe, you know, I mean, he was a little behind. He was in Birmingham when he got hurt. But maybe if things go well, could help this team later this year, if not in 2021. So, yeah, I think those three are guys watching. There's probably some I'm forgetting. Yeah, but that, it's a good thing, right? I remember covering the Sox early on where there was, like, three or four prospects total that you could look at it now. You're forgetting guys because there's so many. So they've done, a, they've done a real nice job building the depth there. Yeah, we, we had so many in our top 30 that there were the – Outside the top 30, there are a lot of names that we mentioned at FutureSox.com. But, Scott, really appreciate you taking the time. Sure. I'm really excited about Zach Birdie myself. We're high on him at Future Sox, too. So we expect to see him at the Big League Club if everything's right. But uh, great work, as always, uh, over at MLB.com for the White Sox. And thanks for thanks for the chat. Thanks for having me. I enjoy Future Sox. Anything I can do to help out is great. Awesome, Scott. We'll be in touch. Okay. All right, that's Scott Merkin. My name is Mike Rink. Thanks so much for checking out this Future Sox episode on the podcast.